While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she'll live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, go away, the girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David! When he'd gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and couldn't talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Whatever Matthew had um, seen or heard or learned about Jesus before his call, once we get to uh, the, um, the, the call itself, from here on we are seeing Matthew actively learning from Jesus as a follower. And he's there with him. And one of the things, so why is it that Matthew decided under the guidance of the Spirit as he wrote his gospel to, to remember these particular stories? What was it that he learnt in these earliest days of following Jesus? Um, uh, and that's, uh, it's around about uh, his own call now. Now, I want to remind us that actually discipleship begins before conversion and call. Now, this has been a radical change in my thinking in recent years, I have to say. 
See, I was always taught that discipleship began after I got converted. And I have to say to you, I think that's wrong. I think God was at work in my life long before, and everything that was happening, and in the way that people were teaching me about the Scriptures, in the way that people were helping me discover about prayer and worship before I was converted, all is part of how I have subsequently grown as a disciple. So that when we are working with people uh, who we long, we pray for and long for to come to Christ, we have to understand that we are helping them grow as disciples even though they may not yet be aware of it themselves. And uh, that we are in the business of discipling people from the word go. Well, I wonder what Matthew might have learned then from these uh, events which he has now um, told us about. Well, there are four miracles in three stories, as it were. Uh, And they are uh, all about the new wine of Jesus. I think we we are meant to uh, listen and understand uh, these particular stories immediately as expression of the new wine in the new wineskins. This is part and parcel of the new cloth which uh, Jesus is about. And the first story involves two people. There's the ruler and his daughter, and then there's the woman who's had a discharge of blood. Uh, And uh, the woman is unclean and from outside. Can we turn on, please? And on, and on, and on, and on. That's it. Thank you. Um, they're outsiders. She's an unclean woman. A dying child. Blind men. A mute demoniac. So just as uh, in the stories before Matthew's conversion and call, Jesus demonstrates being for outsiders, here he does so again. This is Matthew's emphasis. He doesn't give us the details, I think, of Mark, which show, in Mark's gospel, the way Mark tells us the story, he he emphasises how Jesus had time for this woman against uh, uh, Jairus' kind of hurrying and wanting Jesus to get to uh, his daughter. Jesus stops and has this long conversation and listens to everything that she says. Matthew doesn't have time for that. He just wants to push on all the time. He is concerned with making it clear that he learned from Jesus from the the outset that Jesus is for the outsider, the outcast, the excluded, the one society writes off, the one society ignores. And he deals with each one personally. So Matthew learned from day one that this is that Jesus is always about those whom others won't have time for. So if we are to follow Jesus and follow Matthew, how are we, where are we, making the time for those whom most of society writes off, is disinterested in, doesn't want to know? Of course, that's not entirely the case here, because Jairus was an important... He's not even named in Matthew, but... um, he, he was a synagogue ruler. He, had, he did have an important place. But it's his daughter. 
And as we know, children did not have the same place in society then as perhaps we offer them now. Jesus was committed to each of these people. But there's another common thread with these, which is that Jesus responds to requests for mercy. He goes with the synagogue leader because he gets asked to do so. He heals the woman because she has reached out to him and touched him. She has asked, she has reached out and asked effectively. The blind men make a request. They call out, have mercy on us, son of David. There is an emphasis in these particular stories on mercy. And remember that Jesus had talked about, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Matthew is, very, is clearly pursuing this theme of mercy. What God wants from us is mercy, and he continually reaches out in mercy to others. He is the merciful one. But Jesus is responding to requests. He's not forcing himself on these people, They are looking to him. And um, in all the instances, I think when we read it carefully, Jesus kind of checks back with these people that they are being serious and that they know with whom they are dealing. He wants to make sure they're very clear about about who he is and what they're asking of him. It's not detailed, but of course, by doing what each of them does, their lives are utterly turned around. Blind men have lived by begging. They're not going to be able to do so anymore. The dumb man probably has done the same. He's not going to be able to do that anymore. The woman's life has been entirely defined by her illness for the last 12 years. Her identity is now going to be defined entirely differently because she's going to be whole because of having met Jesus. And Jesus was wanting them to be very clear that that if they deal with him and if they deal with God's mercy, their lives get turned around. Are they ready for that change? So in our discipleship, and as we encourage others into discipleship, I think we have to constantly push encouraging people to ask Jesus. He's not going to force himself on you. So... Encourage people to actually get on with the business of asking him. Uh, there's a fantastic um, evangelistic initiative, I'm so, sure some of you have, been, have come across this, uh, simply called Try Praying. Which is simply, it's a very simple thing. It's, simply, it's to say to people, you've got, you face issues, you face difficulties, well, try praying. 
and see what happens. You may not, you may have no idea who you're praying to, you may have no idea what's going on, but try it and see. And if you get an answer, then you have a difficult question to face, don't you? Is this coincidence? Would it have happened anyway? Or might it be? Might it just be that someone was listening to you and responded to you in mercy? And in the light of that, how are you now going to live? I think we actually, I would argue, we need to be bolder in encouraging people to simply go to Jesus. You may have no idea who he is. You may have all kinds of confused (laughs) ideas who he is, what he's done, but try it. Try asking him. Because one thing we can guarantee is that Jesus himself will always come back saying, are you sure? Do you understand that if you engage with me, your life gets turned around and it changes how you'll live the rest of your life? Matthew then goes into uh, one of his lovely summaries Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages and uh, there is here a rounded, a rounded wholeness of Jesus' ministry. He went through all the cities and villages. Now, of course, we know, we understand cities are not quite Beijing with its 30 million or London with its 8.5 million. Cities were simply walled communities that may have only had a few hundred or a few thousand people, although Jerusalem itself was quite large. And villages could be very tiny communities. But the point that I think Matthew is making is, it didn't matter which type of community, Jesus went there. And uh, some of the time he was in the synagogues, and some of the time he was proclaiming to crowds, so he was clearly out in the open. So there's the rounded wholeness of Jesus' ministry of where he ministered. He didn't confine himself to particular uh, types of community. He went to all types of community and he engaged in ministry both personally and in larger ways. And uh, the ministry of the church needs to be everywhere. One of the reasons I am a committed Anglican and a committed member of the Church of England is because of our commitment to every community. It's very hard to keep up. But uh, that is part and parcel of why I am committed to the way we work. Uh, I had a very interesting conversation a few years ago when I was in Walthamstow uh, with my AOG friend, Doug Williams, who uh, runs one of the largest AOG churches in the country, Emmanuel Christian Centre, which is also in Walthamstow. Um, and actually, it w- he, was the w- he was the one who helped the- see it very differently. That's it. Because they have very large numbers and they've continued to grow. And very large- He said, yes, but Paul, look at the map. There isn't another one of our, my, church, uh, my type of churches for about, ten mi- uh, for about five miles around. And in that space, you have got, uh, I can't remember how many it was, but it was a ridiculously large number of buildings. <laughs> But Doug wasn't being critical. He was saying, add up all that you've got there and some of what you're doing in those places that we cannot do and have no vision for doing. So we need both of us. 
And actually, their number, if you totaled it up, we were much bigger than they were. <laughs> so there's the wholeness of where Jesus ministered. Then I think there's the wholeness of what Jesus ministered. He taught, he proclaimed, he healed. And he set people free. And it's a simple reminder to me, every time I read these kind of words, that the gospel of the kingdom is about the whole of life and is, is meeting people at every point of need. And that our ministry has to be about the wholeness of the kingdom, which comes through our teaching, it comes through our proclamation, but it comes through our work of healing and delivering people from evil. And since Jesus offered that kind of whole ministry, then we as the church have to offer that kind of whole ministry. And Matthew highlights that he learnt very early from Jesus and he never lost it, that, what, that, that it was compassion for the harassed and helpless that was the motive, the method and the end of Jesus' ministry. It wasn't just the motive, it was the method, and it was the end. He was motivated by compassion because he saw people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But then the way he worked was compassionate. And the end of it was for people to experience compassion and to show compassion to others. <clears throat> Philip, was it the conversation I had with you this week about motive, method? Someone I had this conversation with this week <laughs> was that uh, too often Christian ministry, we talk about the being motivated by compassion, but we, we, we then lose sight that the method and the end are also compassion. And that uh, one of the dangers in Christian ministry is that we, the motive, we get the motivation right, then we drop into the wrong kind of methods and ends. Whereas compassion must be all the way through. I, know, I remember now, it was the conversation before you. It was, it was Matthew uh, from Tearfund. <laughs> I'd written this before I had the conversation. It was quite nice. uh, com and the compassion for all to enter fullness of knowing God as loving, caring shepherd. We are to be a people of... Matthew learnt that compassion is the way of Jesus. And he also learnt that there is a shared nature to Jesus' ministry. Rooted in compassion and prayer, Jesus sends his disciples out. And that's what we'll be looking at tomorrow. So to conclude for now, Matthew learned that Jesus expects his disciples to reach out to ordinary people, outsiders, outcasts, just the people you bump into day in and day out, but people who also many others write off. Matthew learned that this was a personal work. He learned to do it personally. I want to suggest that he learned that not to impose on people, but to respond to their desires and cry for mercy. When is the right moment? Don't force 
ourselves or force Christ on people. But wait for the right moment to ask the right question, to offer the right kind of help. Respond to their desires and cry for mercy. Matthew learned that Christian ministry had to be fully rounded, both in where it happened and in what it contains. And Matthew learned that it is shared with fellow disciples. And we'll think more about that tomorrow. Let's be quiet for a moment. Lord Jesus, thank you for your compassion. And we cry to you that we might share that compassion. Be motivated by it, but also live it and see it bear fruit in the lives of others. May we be your compassionate missionary people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.